Good morning and welcome family. We are so excited about our upcoming carols by Candlelight Services, which takes place this Saturday and Sunday, 5 and 6 December. Remember to reserve your spot through our website and join us for a family fun evening of caroling under the stars, celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. Today, Pastor Louis wraps up our I Am Sermon series, looking at Christ's statement, I am the true vine in the book of John, through which Jesus shows us that we can't bear the fruit of the kingdom if we are not vitally connected to him. Let's now turn our focus to Jesus, our true vine, in worship. Holy, 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 yes. in these miracles Lord we see you as you move every day as people pray and as people seek your face you move Lord and a little baby Lord you you look at that little baby and you say you will live and the baby is alive that's our king that's our father he's holy so let's declare that this morning holy 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 holy
to give everything this morning, Lord, who we are in you. We, won't, we don't want to hold back anything. Thank you, Lord. You are amazing. We love you. Faith in God who burns the chariots with fire. 
your voice to speak The earth that bows and all the mountains move into the sea Oh Lord, you know the hearts of men and still you let them live Oh God, who makes the mountains melt, come wrestle us and
us in the storm. You're with us in the battle, Father God. We're never alone, though the oceans may roar. But when I gaze, my focus is on Jesus. And I walk towards Jesus, no matter the chaos. I walk to Jesus, and you calm the storm, Lord. Our focus is you, Lord. We love you, Father, King of kings. Though the oceans may roar, but my King is with me. I'm never alone. He's in the battle with me. He's in the fire. Yes, yes, we're never alone. Father, we glorify you this morning. We glorify you this morning. Though oceans. Though oceans roar, you are the Lord of all. The one who calms the wind and waves and makes my heart be still. Though the earth gives way, the mountains move into the sea, the nations rage. I know my God is in control. We glorify you, Lord. As we stand here, Lord, we glorify you. We stand on the truth of your word, Lord, this morning. We think of the promises of God. We think of the things that you've spoken over your people. Though you pass, pass through the waters, I'll be with you. You will not sink beneath the waves. You will not be burned. You will not be scorched by the fire. But I am with you. We take these promises, Lord. We look into your heart and we see a Father who is gracious, who is all-loving yes. and yet all-powerful, yes. who is all-wise and yet all-good. And we pour out our love this morning and saying, thank you, Lord. Your word stands firm. Your word stands sure. And your promises, they are yes and amen. We love you, Lord. We lift up your name.
Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you that on a Sunday we can gather as a community, whether it's on-site or online, and we can come together to worship you, to lift up your name, and to experience your presence, Father. Whether it's in our lounges or in our church buildings, we know that you are with us by your Holy Spirit. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you for strengthening us and encouraging us. And I pray that all of us, Lord, will, will in this week continue to experience your presence with us in surprising and beautiful ways. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a privilege again for us to be together this Sunday, isn't it? And uh, we want to give you an opportunity to give as we always do. And I, I want to thank everybody that's been so faithful in their giving in this year. And I know we're coming to the end of the year and people are putting money aside for holiday and everything. But please remember to do your tithes and your offerings. Uh, we also need that money during this time. So thank you for your faithfulness and giving and uh, may the Lord bless you as you give today. Follow the prompts on the screen, use SnapScan or pay into the bank account as, as you want to. Thank you very much. It's also a privilege today. We're so excited to, to take into membership today 16 people that did our first online membership just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, they've decided to make this their family and to be part of us here at Hatfield. And that's such a privilege and an honor. And uh, we want to say welcome to them. Thank you for uh, hearing the Lord in this regard. And we pray that your time with us will be an amazing time. They, they recently did the Life Changes course, which is the introduction to our vision and mission and where a discipleship journey begins within our church. So welcome to you and may the Lord really bless you as part of our community and may you learn so much about who he is and about your mission and about your role and how you can be a whole life disciple. May the Lord bless you. Today we're obviously at the end of this week where the president asked us since the 25th to commemorate a time in our nation of remembering people that have lost their lives both to COVID-19 and, uh, you know, that's over 21,000 people that have lost their lives directly related to COVID. And also people that have, that have lost their lives due to gender-based violence. And um, we've been thinking of that over these days and honoring that request from the president. And want to today in this service also just take a moment and pray for the loved ones of people and, and that, have, that have stayed behind after those that have passed away to COVID and gender-based violence. And pray for both of these realities in our nation to to come to an end and for the righteousness and justice of God to be established in our nation. So won't you join me as we pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are the light of the world and that when we think of these horrible things, that we think of this year and what we've experienced with COVID-19 and the loss of life that we've seen and so many of us have known people that we've lost and felt that loss, that in we can come to you and find hope in you. When we think of gender-based violence, this scourge in our nation, lives that are getting lost and people, lives that are being destroyed through this, Father, we thank you that we can come to you and you are our hope. And those are not just nice words, that is the truth, because you are life. And so, Father, we speak life over this nation. With death so in our mind and so real to us, we speak life. We speak life into the COVID-19 and we trust you, Father, for the turning of this pandemic and for the, to come to an end and for us to have life. And we pray for every family that loved, lost a loved one during this time and we pray for them that you would strengthen them and comfort them, that you would provide for them and that you would give them hope for the future. We pray, Lord, that this injustice of gender-based violence, Father, that, that we would be in our nation able to root this out at its very core roots. And deal with it, Father, so that our relationship between people from different genders will become 
honoring to you, Father. And I pray for people that have suffered gender-based violence and also those that have, that have families that have, where they've seen the loss of life because of this and the destruction that that has had. We pray for them, Father. We pray for your grace. We pray for your goodness. We pray for hope in those situations. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are our God. Our hope is in you. And we speak life and life in abundance to this nation in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me with that prayer. Well, today we are coming to the end of our I Am series. And I trust, like me, you've enjoyed this series and have found it so inspirational. And I've learned so much. And, uh, but today... Uh, we've come to the end of that. And before I, I share about that, I just want to say thanks to everybody for your care and your messages while I was down with COVID and um, just suffered from fatigue. And for the guys that stepped in and everybody that helped and covered my spaces, I, I really so appreciate that. But I'm so thankful to be back and I'm strong and I'm good and that I can end this series, which um, I think has been a significant journey for us. And today we're going to be talking about the last I am statement that John records for us that Jesus made. And that's, I am the true vine. And uh, whenever we talk about the vine and the true vine, as Jesus spoke about it, he spoke about the fruit. Um, you know, fruit comes to our minds and we think about fruit. And I, I just brought along some of the fruit that we are currently seeing in our garden. We planted a number of fruit trees a couple of years ago. And actually, this is the first year that our nectarines are, are bearing nice fruit. They're a little still small, but... Wonderful. It's such a joy when you find fruit in your garden. And uh, we've got a fig tree that's been uh, bearing some nice figs also. Natasha's actually at the moment making some green fig jam with some of them. And then, then we've got lemons. And obviously this is not quite their time, so they're going to take a while still. And little oranges that uh, we're looking forward to enjoy. And we actually eat and enjoy these. And, and fruit is such a, an amazing thing and an, and an important thing. You know, because where there's fruit, there's life. Where there's fruit, there's a future. Where there's no fruit, it's the end of things. Life is slowing down and there's no repetition. There's no tomorrow where there's no fruit. And in the scripture, when Jesus talks about fruit, we can see that he's passionate about fruit. He's, he thinks it's very, very important. And throughout scripture, we see it. And obviously today, we're going to be talking about John 15. And I want to read for us the first uh, couple of verses of John 15, and I've chosen to use the message to read it for you. Um, and uh, I know it's not a you know trustworthy translation in that sense, uh, but it still puts it in such a nice way. And I always think it's good for us to hear things a little bit fresh, otherwise our ears just sort of go, we know this. Um, <clears throat> so let's read together John 15 from verse 1. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back, so it'll bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only be by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relational, intimate, and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is deadwood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. 
This is how my Father shows who He is. When you produce grapes, when you are mature as my disciples. I want to read this and talk about this verse today. And um, just to say the context again of what we're speaking about here. The context, remember, is this is Jesus' last great opportunity to impart to His disciples before He's going to the cross and He's going to eventually leave them. So He's preparing them. He's preparing them for the continuation of the work of the kingdom after He has left. And how they will continue to bear fruit when He's not in their midst anymore. And I want us to pause and think about that thought for a moment. How amazing is it that Jesus could have this conversation with His disciples? That He could talk to them about bearing fruit when He's not there? Because He was talking to people that, like you and me, were people that were born in sin, had the curse of death on their life, and were actually bearing the fruit of death and not the fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of God. And they were carrying this fruit of rebellion, this fruit of sin. But Jesus says to them, when I leave, you will be able to bear the fruit of the kingdom. That, that is an amazing thought. Don't you think? That's a huge miracle. That, that is one of God's biggest miracles that He's done. Is that us, people, like these disciples that were born in sin, that carried and bore the fruit of evil, can be transformed into a place where we can actually bear the fruit of Jesus. Even when Jesus is not with us, but by the power of the Spirit. Because what Jesus was saying to them was, while I was with you, I was the vine, I was the branch, and I bore the fruit that revealed who God is and who the kingdom is and what the kingdom looks like. Jesus was like, you know, the one-stop shop. He did it all. He was the vine that was connected to God, that drew from the roots the Spirit of God, the life of God, that carried through their, His branches the, the fruit of the kingdom and that people could taste and see and experience what the kingdom was like. Now Jesus is saying to them, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going away. You are now going to become the branches. I will remain as the vine. I'm the true vine, he says. I'm going to stay that. But I'm no longer going to be the branch on this earth. You're going to now be the branches. You're going to now bear the fruit. The tasting and the seeing of people seeing and experiencing the kingdom of God is not going to happen by me anymore. It's going to happen because you are going to be those that bear the fruit. And isn't that an amazing thought? What a... I, I want to stop and celebrate that for a moment and not just, just gloss over that or just so take that for granted. Because the fact that I can, I think of my own life, that I can do that, that I can bear the fruit of the kingdom, not the fruit of the kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of God. That I can be a person that can represent, that people can look and taste and see in me the kingdom of God, that I can bear the fruit the, the sweet tasting fruit of the kingdom of God. Not the bitter death fruit of the kingdom of darkness. That's a miracle. And that's only possible because of what Jesus did. And Jesus is saying to them, I'm going, but you need to carry the work on. I'm passing the torch on to you. This success of our endeavor, this vision that we started with, this, this movement that we began depends on you. Because Jesus had to go and do his job of going to die on the cross and then ultimately to ascend to heaven. 
And he says to the disciples, but now you will bear the fruit of the kingdom. Now just think about it like this. If he was not able to pass it on to them, and if they were not able to bear the fruit of the kingdom, that would have been the end of the story. That would have been the end of the movement. Even if Jesus died on the cross, even if everything happened, if the fruit wasn't being borne by the branches of the disciples and every generation to follow, the story would have ended right there. And if our generation doesn't take up the, the privilege and the honor of bearing fruit, it'll end with us. That's why fruit to God is so important. And he so often talks about it in the scripture. Because fruit is life. Fruit is the future. If any tree, any fruit tree stops bearing fruit, it'll be the last tree in that line. There will not be another tree. But when a tree bears fruit, there will be another one. There will be a multiplication. There will be a reproduction. There will be a new generation. And that's what Jesus was securing as he's talking with them about fruit and the importance of bearing fruit. And what he actually does and what I want to show you today is he talks to them about the process that will be happening in their lives that will produce fruit once he has left them. The process that the Holy Spirit will be doing in their lives that will ensure that they would continue the work of the kingdom and bearing the fruit of the kingdom. And uh, you're going to see on your screen come now, right now, a, a slide that I've entitled The Cycle of Fruitfulness. And in this, you'll see the five parts, the steps, the cycle that happens in our lives. And when this cycle unfolds, it leads to fruitfulness. So what I want to do is, is, is like Jesus, begin at the end and work its way backwards through the process. The end is the result, fruit, that there's fruit on our lives. And, and when there's fruit, there's a reason why there's fruit. And Jesus talks to them in the five sort of parts of this cycle is fruit, that is the result. But for there to be fruit, there has to be abiding. For there to be abiding, there has to be obeying. For there to be obeying, there has to be loving. And for there to be loving, there has to be knowing. And when you see that process unfold in our lives, it produces the fruit that Jesus talks about. Because when Jesus talks to us about fruit, he's not saying we must produce the fruit. He's saying, allow my spirit to produce the fruit. I'm the vine. I produce the fruit. I carry the life. I carry the energy. I, I have the DNA of the fruit. If you connect it to me, you will become the vehicle, the conduit, the, 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 the part that my life will flow through and you will bear my fruit. But Jesus chose this partnership with us. That on this earth, the fruit will not be seen if, it doesn't be, if it's not carried from him, the vine, through us, the branches. But he's now telling his disciples how this will happen in their lives. In a way that's organic and natural. But a way that we can understand so that we can cooperate and, and make sure that this happens in our lives by the power of the Spirit. So fruit. And like I've been saying, Jesus is passionate about fruit. God is passionate about fruit because fruit represents life. And throughout the scripture, we see God talking about fruit. In Isaiah 5, verse 1 to 3, it says, I will sing for the one I love, sing about his vineyard. And this is the prophet speaking to God. And he's saying, I will sing to the one I love about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. Can you see the, the passion that there's in this for the vineyard? There's a love for this vineyard. This is not just a practical thing. There's a love for this vineyard. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. He invested in this vineyard, man. He gave it the best of everything he had. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad 
fruit. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. So the scripture here says that God planted a vineyard and he was looking for the fruit of his kingdom on that vineyard. And that vineyard was Israel and the law that was operating within them was to produce this fruit. But it failed. And now God is disappointed. His his heart's broken because the fruit is not being displayed. And now Jesus comes and he's talking about a new vineyard. He's saying to the the disciples, I want to reveal to you the vineyard that will bear fruit in season and out of season. The the vineyard that will always bear fruit. That will not be like, remember the fig tree that he went and he looked for fruit and it wasn't bearing fruit and he cursed it. Not that kind of tree, but a tree that you can always expect to get fruit from. Because the life that is in it produces that fruit. Fruit is so valuable to God. He desires fruit. He desires fruit from our lives. We see other parables that Jesus spoke where he puts emphasis on the value of fruit. Luke 6, he talks about the gardener that planted the tree and came looking for it and couldn't find fruit and then wanted to take it out. Remember the parable of the talents. It falls in the same category where where the the, the master looks for reproduction. He looks for, for productivity. And that's the heart of God because his kingdom needs to grow because it's where our life is. And he's given us the ability to produce fruit. What is this fruit that we're talking about? The message in verse 8 where I read says there, when you mature as my disciples. And I think it's appropriate for us to link the word discipleship with the word fruitfulness. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ, is to live a life of fruitfulness. It's what leads to fruitfulness, but fruitfulness is is so important when it comes to discipleship. You will know a tree by its fruit. And being a a person that loves Jesus more and more, that grows in our relationship with Jesus, will produce fruit. So discipleship and fruitfulness is linked with one another. What are some of the things we want to look at in our lives that we want to see grow, that that will be recognized as the fruit? The scripture mentions the fruit in a couple of places. Romans 6 verse 22, it says, But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. So holiness is a fruit, a holy lifestyle, a lifestyle that pleases God, a lifestyle that recognizes God's law, and we'll talk about that a bit later. A holy lifestyle is a fruit. Galatians 5.22, obviously. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. It's Again, it's the characteristics of what a believer should look like. That's some of the fruit of, the, of that we're talking about. Colossians 1 verse 10 says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. So good works is fruit. Doing the works of the kingdom. Is the fruit of the kingdom. And then Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So even our praise and worship is a fruit of our relationship with God. So there's some of the things that the scripture talks to us about fruit that we want to see in our lives. And, but ultimately, the fruit that God is looking for is the fruit of reproduction. Is that when there's a holiness that grows in my life, when there's a, a, a love for God, when there's the good works, that, that that will reproduce in my life. So that in some way, ultimately, somebody else will become to know who Jesus is and will grow in their love and relationship with Jesus. Because that's the fruit. If you think of the analogy of fruit, fruit is there to carry the seed that will die and fall in the ground and die. And then ultimately, the new generation of tree is grown. 
And, and every one of us, we have the privilege, we have the awesome honor by the power of the Spirit to be the witnesses of who Jesus is. So that through our lives, there will be an increase, that the kingdom will advance, that the kingdom will grow. Because more people will get to know who Jesus is and what it means to know Jesus and, and, and grow in their relationship with Jesus. So I want to say and, 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 and hear my heart in this, but ultimately as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, I want to look at my life and say, do I see the fruit of the reproduction of my relationship with Jesus? Do I see my love for Jesus, my followership of Jesus growing until it's in such a way that it actually influences other people to get to know Jesus and to love him more? If I'm not seeing that fruit in my life, I, I want to ask the Lord to help me because that's the fruit he wants. And it's not a, it's not a thing that we can choose. It's, it's a nice to have. Oh, it'll be so nice if you bear fruit. No, Jesus says you have to bear fruit. And not only have to bear fruit, but you have to bear more fruit and more fruit. It, it needs to, as we grow in the Lord and the more and more His Spirit works in us, the more fruit we will bear. So that's the joy for us, but that's the, the fruit we're looking for. Fruit is the product that Jesus says at the end. But fruit comes about because there's an abiding. In John 15 verse 4, Jesus says the following, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Fruit is a result of abiding. Kingdom fruit is because we abide, we stay, we are vitally connected to Jesus. You see, if you're not vitally connected to Jesus, you are vitally connected or deathly connected, I should say, to the curse of sin and death. And therefore your life will produce that fruit. It's like your roots are in the Spirit of death and the curse of this world. And from that, your root system will draw through your life and the branch of the vine of the worldliness. It'll draw through you and you will bear the fruit. But if I want to bear the fruit of the kingdom, I have to have my roots in something else. And that is where Psalm 1, for instance, says, who is like a tree planted by streams of living water. That when my, my root system has been taken out of, the, out of this world and the soil of this world and has been planted in Christ. And I have become one with Christ. And I start to begin to draw from Him life. And then that life starts flowing through me because I abide in Him. Now I want to be quick to say that abiding is more than just being united with Christ. It is having communion with Christ. If you think about it like this, you know, the day Natasha and I got married, that's the day we were united. And that unification became the foundation for our communion. Since that day, we have built a life of intimacy, a life of community with one another, a life where we've had communion with one another. And out of that communion, we have borne the, the fruit of children and the fruit of other things in our lives. The, the getting to know and being united with her through the decision, through the declaration, through our marriage covenant was the unification. The living together every day, living, loving one another, being fully engaged with one another, having our hearts turned towards each other, being separated unto one another. That means we're growing in our communion with one another. And that's what bears fruit. And it's the same with our relationship with Jesus. 
There's a day when we make a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a son of God. I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. And that day becomes the day of our unification with him, where our roots are picked up out of the soil of the world and planted in Christ so that we can abide. Abiding is that communion we then have with Jesus. Every day living a life with him, making our whole life increasingly about him, learning more and more what it means to have him as the Lord of every area of my life, submitting totality of my life to him and his lordship. And as I live my life in communion with him, so the fruit begins to show. The word in the Greek for the, for the, for the word uh, uh, abide is the word meno. And according to Arendt and Gingrich's lexicon, uh, that means an inward enduring personal communion. Are you enjoying personal communion with God? Because that personal communion is what will produce fruit. If there's not that personal communion, there will not be the fruit. Because the fruit is not something I produce. I am the conduit. The fruit is what God produces through me. And how can that happen if I don't have relationship with Him? Growing relationship, vitally connected with Him, making sure that nothing comes between me and Him. I, I deal with my sin. I, I keep a short account of my sin. I repent quickly because I don't want anything to come between me and God and to break that communion that I have with Him. So the fruit is there because of an abiding. Abiding exists because of obedience. Obedience, John 15, verse 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Can you see that? He says, if you keep my commandments, the result of that is that you will abide. So we, if we keep his commandments, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. You know, anything we want to try in life, anything we want to become good at and be successful in, we have to learn the laws that govern that discipline or that field. If I want to become an excellent tennis player, there's laws that I have to learn. If I want to become an excellent at gardening or an artist, there's laws that I have to learn and understand and become really comfortable with and know how to use and, and how to apply so that I can excel in that area. And so it is. God's kingdom is governed by his law. And I'm not talking about the Old Testament law. I'm talking about the law of God, the truth of God. That is found in who he is. There is a consistency of his character that is displayed through the law. And if I take that on board and say, Lord, I want to live according to your law. That is what produces in me an ability to be with him and abide in him. You cannot say you want to love God and be with God and have an abiding relationship, that communion with him, that intimacy, but not care about his law. Not care about what he says is right and wrong. We fool ourselves sometimes and we think that oh, God is kind and God is merciful and he forgives and, and we can do what we want and he'll forgive us. <laughs> That's not a heart of a person that loves God and wants to abide with him. That's, you know, and you're going to have a rude awakening. Think of Jonah that thought that he could disobey God and get away with it. And he was asleep in that boat and then the storm came. And eventually his disobedience caught up with him. And he had to make a decision at that point. And he had to make a radical decision. And you know, eventually ended up in the, in, the, in the belly of the fish to get back to where God wanted him to be. God is committed. He's got a covenant with us. He'll never just let you slide away from him. He's going to pursue you. But he's going to ask of you to keep his commandments. He's going to ask of me to keep his commandments. Obedience leads to abiding. But loving leads to obedience. Can you see our cycle? Fruit is the result. Fruit is there because of abiding. 
Abiding happens because of obedience. Obedience happens because of love. You see, in the kingdom of God, we obey God because we love Him. Jesus said in John 14 verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. John writes for us in 1 John 2 verse 5. This is how we know we are in him, that we love him. You see, we spoke about it earlier this year. Remember in our Love Revolution series where we said, what ultimately sustains us in wanting to, to stay with God and to obey him and to love him uh, uh, and to follow him is love. We, we don't do the things that God asks of us because we're afraid of Him primarily, or because it's a duty, or because it's the right thing to do. We do it because we love Him. Love motivates us. We will go the extra mile. We will go further than any other motivation will take us, will be the motivation of love, because I love God. I love Him. I just, I cannot, I cannot imagine a moment of my life without Him. I, I prayed about it this morning early. I said, Lord, you can, and I, I really mean it. It's, and it's not a challenge I'm putting before the Lord, but I really mean it. Say, Lord, you can take everything away from me, but as long as I don't lose you, because I love you. I don't want, my, I don't want a moment of my life without you. We love him. And because we love him, there's just things in my life that, that in our lives we won't allow, we will not do, because those things will separate us from God and from being in Him and being able to abide in Him. So we love Him. So fruit is the result. That happens because we abide. Abiding happens because we desire to be obey Him. Obedience comes from love. And love comes from knowing Him. You know Him. When you get to know God, you love Him. There's a saying that we all know and, and we've used it where it says, uh, familiarity breeds content. But the American preacher Phillips Brooks said that familiarity breeds content only with contemptible things and contemptible people. You know, there's a saying that goes, never meet your heroes. Because you can idolize somebody, you can think they're the greatest person in the world and you, because you see their public persona. I mean, I've got lots of people that I respect very highly, quite a lot of sports people that I, I'd love to meet and, and spend time with them and just hear what their life is like and learn from them. But I don't have an expectation that any of them are perfect. And whenever you meet somebody that you've idolized, you probably end up being disappointed so often because they're not the person you've built up in your mind. But you know that's not the same with God. The more you get to know God, the more you love Him because He's perfect. There's nothing in Him that will disappoint you. There's nothing in Him that is a misrepresentation of what He says. He's not saying His one thing and then, but actually the truth is something else. He's not projecting to you his best side, his public persona. God doesn't have a PR department. God doesn't, you know, have a Facebook page that is managed by a company that, so that, you know, that spins the truth and makes him look good. God is just who God is because he is good. He is good. The more you get to know him, the more you will love him. That's why Jesus, when he prayed for us in John 17, verse 3, he says, now, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've seen. The more we get to know God, the more we'll love him. How do we get to know God? We get to know him by his word. His word was given to us as, a, as an objective book that I can take and read. And then the Spirit of God begins to activate the Word. 
But I can read the word. Every person can get to know God by reading the word. And as we read the word and the spirit begins to reveal to us, we get to know God. And remember, we spoke about it earlier this year. When we talk about know, we talk about epinosis, an experiential knowledge. A knowledge that is not a book knowledge or a, a knowing from afar or knowing because we've studied him, but knowing because we've lived with him. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, it's better for you that I go so that the spirit can come. And he will guide you in all truth. He will reveal all things to you. He will empower you. I, you and I have the Holy Spirit within us. And it's the Holy Spirit that takes the word. The Spirit will never reveal to me something. Truly, the Spirit will never reveal something to me that is not in congruency with the word. So I base everything in my life on the word. And how the Spirit makes that alive within me. And, and helps me to live that. And to know who God is. And to know him. To experience Him. And so where there's that knowing, that knowing produces that we love Him. That love causes in us a desire to obey Him. It's that obedience makes that we can abide in Him. And it's that abiding that brings fruitfulness in our lives. So if you had to take a look at your life, if I put that slide up, if we can put that up again for you on the screen, the cycle of fruitfulness. The idea here is that Jesus, remember he said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Is that every so often I take stock of my life or something happens. I have a kairos moment and it reveals to me what is the fruit of my life, either in its totality or perhaps even in an area where something happens and I become aware of this is the fruit of my life. This is what's being displayed through my life. And is that fruit honoring of God? Is that fruit revealing who he is? Or is that still the fruit of the old life, of the old you know, me that was connected to the world? Is that a residue from that still? Or am I in this area? Have I not been transformed? Have I not yet in practice transferred from the, from the death of this world into the life-giving spirit of God? And then I have to go and say, okay, I recognize. So let's say, for instance, there's an area of my life where I recognize that ooh, something's happened and there's fruit that is, is not, it's not pleasing to God. Let's say as a parent, in my relationship with my children or one of my children or something that happens, I recognize, ooh, here's a fruit. And this fruit's not great. This is not the fruit that I wanted and this is not the fruit that I believe or that the scripture tells me God wants. Now I've got the fruit. What do I do with it? Because I can't just change the fruit. The fruit is the end of the process. So then what I do is I, I take a step back and I say, okay, if I look at the fruit, remember in our circle of life change, it's observe, reflect, discuss. So in that observe, reflect, discuss space, I go and I say, okay, have I been abiding with the Lord as a parent? In my parenting, have I, have I brought the Lord into my parenting? Have I grown to love the Lord? In my parenting? Have I, have I made my parenting about Him? Have I made sure that everything in what I do, have I, have I acknowledged the Lord in all of my ways as a parent? Or have I in some way had other things infiltrate there? And I can check that. And then it's possible that I can recognize, ooh, there's, there's an area here in my parenting where I've not, I've not been abiding. I've not really operated from that place of being one with God. I've not been in God in this. Then I take a further step back and I say, okay, is that possibly because I've not obeyed God? Is there some area where I've not obeyed Him? 
Now, when I do that, sometimes something becomes clear and I can go, aha. And then I can work on that and say, Lord, help me so that I can learn to obey this. What must I do? What must I change? And then I go plan, account, act. But often it's also where, where I, when I do that, I go, I can now begin to recognize by this fruit that there's something here that even though I brought God into it, there, there's something in the obedience that I've not been able to do. And, and, and then I step back further and I say, okay, Lord, have I known your love in this area? You see, because as a parent, so often I'm just repeating what I was, how I was parented. And perhaps that wasn't done in the way of your love. Or, it, and I'm not blaming my parents for that, that's just the cycle of life. But, or it's in my own parenting, I became selfish in a certain way. Or, but I've not experienced the love of God in this area. I've not been transformed because I've gotten to know the love of my father, my parent, Father God, in this area. And then I come and I say, Lord, help me. I want to know you. And then I come back to knowing and so often when there's a fruit, we go all the way back to what it is we know, how we know God. Do we know him? Do we really know who he is? The fruit that we see in our lives is a direct result of what we know about who God is. And what we know about life because what we know about who God is. So often, as a parent, I'm, I'm operating out of fear. And when I do that, that produces a fruit in my child's life that is not a good fruit and doesn't show them, it doesn't help them. I'm not discipling them well. I'm not reproducing in them who God is and, and getting, helping them to know they're getting a twisted view of God. And that's directly a result of the fact that there's some knowing about God that I'm, I haven't got. And that becomes not a point where I then give up and say, okay, well, that's it, I fail. No, that's where Jesus says, then I come. I learn from him. I spend time with him. The spirit begins to work in me. And, and then a, the process begins. And there's a knowing. And as I, know, as I get to know God, I get to love him. And as I get to love him, I begin to obey in that area. And I, I change my behavior. I change my habits. I change my way of thinking. My attitude changes because of who I know, what I know about God and how much I love him. And that produces that I then want to. I stay in him. I stay being fed by him. I stay drawing the life from him. And then ultimately a new fruit is produced. And what we have to understand about fruit is when Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, that we said those words that I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. That life in abundance and the fruit of abundance that the Father is looking for, that he's even prepared to prune us for more fruit, for abundant fruit, that's connected with one another. You will never have a life of abundance if you don't have a fruitfulness in your life. If there's not in your life a reproduction of the kingdom taking place, you will not know. You see, if we reduce life to, in abundance to the things of this world, do I have enough, you know, do I have a nice, a nice car, a nice enough car, or a nice enough house, or, you know, nice enough clothes? Ugh, we make it about such small things. Now, there's blessings that God has for me. But the only thing that ultimately satisfies in God is this. He's the vine, and he has made me the branch. And I get to bear the fruit of the kingdom because of his work, because of his spirit, and because of my relationship with him. So I'm going to invite you today. Won't you just take a bit of time, perhaps over the next month or so, or, or whenever it happens again, remember, when you, get, when you see fruit in your life and you go, <gasps> think about this cycle of fruitfulness.
Because as we're ending our I Am series, remember this is the ending of the I Am series that Jesus did as John records it with his disciples also. Just before he leaves, he says, if you want to continue on and, 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 and actually grow this kingdom, go further than I've ever gone before, Jesus said. You will do greater works than I've done, Jesus says. Then you have to understand this cycle and allow my fruitfulness in you. And I want to pray for you that God will work in you. If right now you're recognizing in your life there's some fruit that's not great, don't be discouraged. Don't be condemned because of that. The Spirit of God never condemns you. Rick. Recognize it and say, Lord, now let's begin a process so that other fruit can be produced in my life. But let's pray together. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this an amazing thought, this wonderful reality that we can bear the fruit of the kingdom. That through us, your, who you are and what you believe, know is right can be displayed. And I pray that for each of us, that there will be in our lives an increase in the fruitfulness of your kingdom. I pray for your church in these days, in this time, we need a church that is fruitful, Father. And I pray that all of us as followers of Christ, as disciples, as whole life disciples, will bear fruit of the kingdom in every aspect of our life. So that others may taste and see that the Lord is good. So that we can plant the seeds of our lives in, and, and a harvest will be produced. I pray for any of us in every space where we recognize the fruit's not great. It's not the right fruit. Help us, Lord, to, to draw near to you, to go into this process with you so that fruit, lasting fruit, glorious fruit can be produced. Thank you for your grace, for your goodness, your continued kindness towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you take a moment today? If you want to reach out to one of our team that's ready to pray with you, you'll see the details come up on your screen or in the comment section of your social media page. Just follow that link and there's somebody ready they want to pray with you. And if you want to give your heart to Jesus, talk to them and say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. So great to spend this time with you. Uh, please pay attention to the end of the service for any announcements and just things that we are sharing with you. But we love you. And remember, next week we're going to have a great time. It's going to be our... Um, at the East Church, we're going to have our Christmas celebration on the 5th and the 6th. We, we're trusting that we can be able to do it outdoor and have a carols uh, service. So all the details you'll see about that also. And please, please join us for that. So love you lots. See you again soon.